Welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the jovial Matt. Hello there. I was a bit worried there, David. I've just absolutely wolfed my tea down, and as soon as I said hello there, I thought I was going to do a big burp. <laughs> um, if at any point I do a really big gross burp, I'm really sorry. It's fine. It is what it is. I'm, I'm the one who, who uh, have been rushing you this afternoon. <laughs> Uh, trying to uh, record as much as uh, as early as possible, um, so as not to eat too much into my evening today. Because we're recording on a weeknight; it's a school night. Yeah, Monday is traditionally uh, the, the yeah. hot night of the week, but yeah. it's too early for that. It is. It is. It's just. Uh, I mean, it's hot in the sense that it's kind of muggy where I am. I don't know what whether it's. Uh, yeah, you know. I sure would love to open some of these windows, but the amount of traffic means it's (laughs) impossible. Hey-ho. So how has your week been, or a week and a bit since we last spoke? Um, It's been okay, really. It's been okay. I can't really think of anything that stands out as being being the highlight. Went and watched the new Jurassic World film. Oh, yeah. How was that? Um... Diminishing returns, but I've worked it out. Yeah. Because every Jurassic Park sequel tries, well, it lies to us and tries to convince us there's a dinosaur cooler than a T Rex. <laughs> and they all end the same way, where the T Rex kills whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a bit formulaic, but it's a formula I love, so. I've never really quite understood the appeal of Jurassic Park. Gotta well, be honest. If if you remember when we did our Desert Island Discs episode, my book was the junior novelization of Jurassic Park. <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah. You stand I, by that? Yeah, I I love that film. It it's one of the few films I can just mouth along every word. Mm. Yeah, it's just I, I mean, I would get it as a one off, but the fact that it's just they just keep churning them out. Yeah. It's kind of like Planet of the Apes for me, in that, like, I get the premise, but does there need to be 400 of them? Mm. Well, this new Jurassic Park, basically, it started to follow the same rules as the X-Men films, where you only really have to remember the film that came before it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But here, it basically takes it and just goes, uh, yeah, just kind of forget that last film, really. Don't worry about it. I sort of had the opposite issue. Um, I've been uh, uh, in my MCU catch-up. I've uh, finally gotten around to uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, how are you finding it? Are you watching it in about 25 sittings, like normal? Um, yeah, I, 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 I have been. I completed it last night. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah... I mean, I, it's, I don't want to make any grand pronouncements because, of course, I've not watched it in optimal circumstances, mm. but uh, I just want to, to keep on top of it at the moment. And um, I'm also slightly hampered by the fact that I don't love Spider-Man as much as everybody else seems to. Mm-hmm. Um, so what so, you're saying is worst MCU film? No, no. I mean, it, it's certainly still uh, a, a good cut above uh, Eternals, which... Was a chore, just a straight up chore to get through. Uh, this was it was you know, for the most part breezy and fun. But I, I did kind of find myself thinking like, apart from 
a, a crowbarred in character death. I won't mention who specifically on the off chance somebody is still dodging spoilers for a film that's been out for best part of a year at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, um, apart from that, it felt fairly insubstantial and sort of it was very much relying on nostalgia uh, and and references over. Okay, I I, I don't want to get too spoilery with this, but I was really annoyed with how incredibly stupid Doctor Strange is in that film. Mm-hmm. That it he felt like, I get that he's arrogant, but he felt like reckless to the point of like being. It was like Homer Simpson levels of dumb. <laughs> what he did in that film well um, I, I don't want to offer any spoilers but I think yeah. when you see Multiverse of Madness yeah, it'll make sense I hope so because the thing is I, I love Doctor Strange as a character as a concept just the idea of just having a straight up wizard in amongst all those superheroes I think that's really fun um, so I, I was a bit disappointed with um uh, how we came across in in No Way Home, but for, yeah, fingers crossed. Multiverse of Madness. I think it drops on Disney Plus in a couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to be getting stuck into that yeah. as as soon as it does. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I've not had a terribly exciting week to be right. honest, Matt. Can Can I just have a rant for a moment? Yes, yeah, I really hope this has been picked up on the recording. Okay, so in in my new flat beneath yeah. me is. Uh, a lady who's about 90 years old. Uh-huh. And above me is a married couple who are both about 90 years old. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, I don't know which one it is. It could be below. It could be above. But one of them quite clearly has a telephone for the hearing impaired. And every time we sit down to record, they switch it on and all I can hear is the dial tone. And then I have to listen to it ringing. And honestly... They should have had that on the Titanic to signal for that iceberg. It's the loudest <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> okay, now I'm uh, not here to pick on people that are hard of hearing, but Jesus Christ, that's loud. Yeah. I can um, hear it over my TV sometimes, but... That's that's uh, a lot to deal with. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, Never mind. Yes, indeed. Um, have we got anything else to talk about? Uh, not much, to be honest. Uh, what did um, you have for breakfast today? Uh, I had some scrambled eggs. Oh, right. Lovingly scrambled for me by my partner. Oh, nice. Which was, nice. Uh, yeah. Would you say they're it, your meal of the week? Um, I mean, it's uh, given that the, there's only been two of them so far, <laughs> if we take Monday to be the start of the week, then yeah, sure. I'm I'm just testing the waters for a meal of the week comeback after last week. You think uh, you think people are keen for it? Uh, I know specifically one person who really isn't. Who's that? Uh, well, his name rhymes with Mavid. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might know that chap. Yeah, yeah. Notorious yeah. hater of meal of the week. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Just thought we, you know, it ran, it, it ran its course, didn't it? Yeah, we outgrew it. We're bigger than that now. 
<laughs> Speaking of which, let's let's get into it. Everyone's favourite segment, uh, A to Z of Doctor Who. Oh, and it's a it's a strong week this week. Yeah, we're up to V. V. So what have we got? We've only got a month of the A to Z left. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do with ourselves. No, because it turns out everything I've suggested to you, bloody other podcasts already do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We'll figure something out. Yeah. Like, all the ideas you... I suggested were all from one episode of Verity. <laughs> and and look, let, let's be honest, okay, I've, I have messaged them and apologised, but we totally, totally stole Wheelie Big Quiz from uh, Married to Who. <laughs> we did, yeah. Like, it's true. it was just one day, I was like, David, I've had this great idea. It must have come to me in a dream. And then... The next week, I was driving to work, and I was like, oh, they're doing Trivial Pursuit. Oh, isn't it weird that we had the same idea, and it turned out they'd been doing it for months, and that's it just <laughs> plocked itself in my brain. Uh, well, uh, do you ever think, Matt, that there might be a few too many Doctor Who podcasts? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's like Hollywood. We've run out of ideas. We need to reboot. A gritty reboot. Either that, or we just start. I mean, I was about to say we we, we just start, you know, pulling in uh, other Doctor Who podcasts and you know do a big crossover event. But we've, you know, that's that was the after show, wasn't it? Yeah, so. we'll tick that off. Um, where yeah. do we go from here? Um, I think it's a, a dedicated streaming platform with uh, um, exclusive content. Yeah, that's, it's, it's that's the only place of, left for us. Yeah, uh, exclusive content that is like quite good for the first a couple of episodes, then sort of sort of drags a bit, but it's you know it's all right to have on in the background, and then if you're lucky, maybe sort of pulls it out the bag for the final yeah. Yeah. one of the run. Yeah, so keep your eyes open, guys, for uh, neither the time nor the space 2.0 exclusive to Quibi. <laughs> Yeah, we. Do, I mean, we probably should be talking about. It. We haven't quite signed on the dotted line yet, but that contract's going to be coming through uh, any day now. I, I don't know anyone else. We we seem to make quibby jokes every so often. <laughs> I don't know anyone else other than you that gets them. <laughs> I, I I am like. I I am weirdly obsessed with quibby. I I have this thing about like, uh, very public follies and failures mm. um like uh, another one that i am way too obsessed with is the marble arch mound are you familiar with this matt uh, oh yes yeah yeah that big yeah. lump of grass in london yes that was a temporary lump of grass yeah. <laughs> on top of some scaffolding that they had the audacity to charge an entrance fee for Just uh, why bother? It's just it, it, it yeah it, it beggars belief, but but like it it's such a bizarre and and and, and public mistake that costs so many millions of pounds. I, I find it just utterly fascinating. So I have read way too much about the Marble Arch Mound over the last I think, twelve months. I think months. one of my favourites was the rebranding of the post office. Oh, as Consignia. Consignia. Right, I'll be with you in a minute. I've got some parcels to take down Consignia. (laughs) Yeah. Was it even a full year before they reversed that? No. no. I don't think it was, was it? 
Ah, uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, so Quibi very much, you know, goes goes in the same category as those sorts of things. Yeah. And uh, I, I will, I'll never let it go. <laughs> I will never let it go. Right. Should we do the A to Z? Let's do it. Where do you want to begin? Uh, well, we're up to letter V this week. We are. Yeah. So, can I throw some episodes your way? Of course, you can. We start this week with Voyage of the Damned. Not good. No. But still the highest rated episode of New Who. Oh, really? Yep. Well, I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. You know, Height of Tenant Mania, Christmas Special, um, Kylie Minogue guest starring. Yeah. Banner Cafe Yeah. Pulled in massive numbers in the UK. What about an episode I don't remember fondly? Victory of the Daleks. Uh, it's good. It's good. It's not. Uh, it, d- it doesn't quite stick the landing, but there's some solid stuff in there. What about the Vampires of Venice? Absolute banger. Ah, uh, see, I thought you were going to say what I was thinking, which was absolute bang average. No, I think it's. I think in terms of like character interactions and stuff, it's really solid. Like it's, it's the one that kind of really establishes the uh, Amy and Rory dynamic. Mm. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I just remember that kind of just being a monster of the week type thing. Yeah. The, my big criticism is it of it is that the the Denouement is just uh, the Doctor climbing a big tower and switching something off. Yes. <laughs> Oh, he just good. has a little look at it, finds the off button, and and, and yeah. saves the day. As opposed to the idiot's lantern, where he spends the whole episode climbing something to turn it on. <laughs> um, yeah. What about? It, it's a fan favorite. I've a lot of time for it. Uh, the Who Can Convince You Pod reviewed it recently. Vincent yeah. and the Doctor. Very good. Got to be in the right frame of mind for it because. Other- there are times where I find it comes across a little too mawkish, but uh, I mean, the central guest performance is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it definitely succeeds at what it sets out to do. Yeah. What about Village of the Angels? Uh, a good one. And Vanquishers, The Vanquishers. Uh, yeah, also good. Probably not quite as good as Village of the... I can't remember which way I ranked them now. Flux is still very fresh for me. Yeah. I was going to put that Villa Diodati in here, but it was crap and undeserving of a place in the A to Z. <laughs> right. Do you want some aliens, or are we going to do classic episodes? Well, do, we'll do classic episodes quickly whilst we're on the subject of episodes. There's only a couple to mention. Uh, there's Vengeance on Varos, mm-hmm. which is a Sixth Doctor story we should probably tackle. Uh, it's one I've heard a lot of. Yeah, it's it's worth a watch that one. I think you'd enjoy it. Um, and uh, we've got the visitation, which is a bit of a personal favourite of mine. Mm. Uh, which is a fifth Doctor. Right. Uh, would you like some aliens? I would indeed. Uh, now I've gone for this from Vampires of Venice, but there were a lot of entries under Vampire. Mm. Doctor Who has a really weird relationship with vampires as a concept. There's like there is loads of extended universe stuff and like like they're one of the sort of like ancient species of of the universe and so there's a lot of like you know 
you know when you start getting into that sort of really in the weeds time lord lore bullshit stuff mm-hmm. there's loads of that relating to vampires so lots of like stuff in new adventures novels and big finish plays and tie-ins and even as recently as um the time lord victorious uh thing from last year was that last year was it the year before um but that also had a whole plot thread that was all to do with the vampires and to be honest, I've never managed to make head nor tail of it. Mm. State of Decay is pretty good, though. Okay, speaking of pretty good, next up, it's the Vashta Narada. Uh, yeah, I'd say more than pretty good. Um, one of my favourite uh, New Who aliens. Do a comeback, I would say. Mm. I, I enjoyed them. They're, they're yeah. part of the... Uh... Doctor Who adventure games that I played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoyed that. Yeah, very they've, much. they've, they've, yeah, they've. Uh, I think they popped up in a in a book or two. They've certainly popped up on Big Finish, but uh, yeah, I, th- I, I would like to see somebody else have a crack at Vashta Narada for uh, TV. Uh, then we have the Veil. Ah, uh, is that the thing from uh, Heaven Sent? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, a particular favourite of yours, the Vespiform. Oh, yeah, love the Vespiform. Yeah, Unicorn and the Wasp, those sexy, sexy wasps. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one we've got, and I didn't write down what episode this was from, is the Vigil. Oh, from the Rings of Akadena. Again, who knows which which of the many weird alien things. Yeah. Let, let's is. just say the Vigil and the Ultramancer are both the big sun. Mm-hmm. There we go. That settles that debate forever. Sure. Um, um, we got any classic aliens? Oh, loads. I won't. I won't mention them all. But uh, I think we should probably make particular mention of the Vervoids. Okay. Uh, do yourself a favour, Matt. Google a Vervoid. Uh, can you tell me how it's spelt, please? V e r v o i d. Vervoid from Terror of the Vervoids. Um, they. <laughs> if if an avocado, yeah, looked more like a vagina, it would be a vervoid. Yeah. Uh, and that's all we're uh, going to say about that. Let's move on. Yeah, that is uh, something else. Uh, we should probably also mention the Vord. Okay. Uh, as featured in The Keys of Marinus and Never Since. Um, basically, just they just look like blokes in scuba diving outfits. Um, and it was this was like early days of Doctor Who, and it's a classic example of like them just not quite knowing what to do. Right. Um, uh, so people like have attempted to to deepen the law when it comes to the Vord, but it, it, I don't think the Vord are going to be showing up in New Who anytime soon. Nah, I'm excited to see some like deviant art where they've been modernised. <laughs> right, do you It'll want out cast there. and companions? Yeah, go on. Okay, I've got Vicky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great companion. 
And then I've got Victoria. Uh, not as much fun as Vicky. Uh, and then we've got what's probably going to be my pick for this week. Yeah. You know I love him. Vizsla Turlo. Oh, yeah, good old Turlo. Yeah, just little, little horrible creep. I love him. <laughs> little weird ginger creep. Just... <laughs> yeah, in his little school uniform. Yeah, which makes him even creepier. Yeah. Yeah. He I does, think that's he, gonna be my I pick. mean, this is no this is no slight on Mark Strickland, who by all counts is a really lovely bloke. But Turlo as a character very much reminds me of you know those kids at school who you think by any rights should be the target of bullies, but somehow have managed to flip the script and become bullies themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Like, just someone everyone should hate. Yeah. yeah. And, and in that respect, perfect casting for the role he was given. Right, well, you know. can, I, can, I, can I tell you something? Yeah. I, I'm going to send you something here. All right. Let's just see. Let's just see if we can... In fact, I might just send you this whole screenshot. When, when he doesn't look creepy and weird... Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on, where are you? He's pretty dreamy. Oh yeah, he's not—he's not a bad-looking bloke by any stretch. Wait, wait till you see this picture. He's rivaling Anthony Ainley here. Uh, very nearly sent a picture of Turlo to my mum there. <laughs> uh, oh, just, just as an had. aside, let me tell you a story about when I text my mum today. Uh, yeah. We were discussing money, and I sent her a message saying, take care of the pennies, the pounds take care of themselves. Uh, which predicted text auto-corrected to, take care of the penises, the pounds take care of themselves. <laughs> um, check out this guy. Oh, that is sultry. Yeah. He might be going in, uh, going in my... Mount Rushmore of handsome Doctor <laughs> Who characters. Fair enough. Can't disagree with you there, but uh, but yeah, there's just he, he does a really good job of just evoking that just uh, annoying little creep vibes. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, so that probably does it for characters. Then, uh, do you want to hear some writers? Uh, always. Yeah, I've got none. So uh, best move on. Uh, I think I know who you're going to say. Who do you reckon I'm going to say? I then? think you're going to go, oh, it's got to be Verity Lambert, because uh, without her, we wouldn't have the show yeah. today. Same as yeah. you and every other dork on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it it is the obvious one. Uh, in all honesty, though, I mean, I can't remember. Did I say her for L? Or was that, did I, was that uh, an oversight? For L, you went for Lethbridge Stewart. Ah, uh, yeah, no, stand by that. Um, but no, sorry, I'm gonna say Vashta Narada because I really, I want to like yes. manifest that comeback. Can we just take the time to say that is an absolute dig at anyone that tweeted us about Verity Lambert? <laughs> Get over yourselves! Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, In fact, last week I specifically censored it all out, but I made a big point of saying F- Terence Dicks. Uh, I, 
No, I can't say fuck Ferry and Lambert. That's incredibly uncouth to say that about women, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. But she's, look, at the end of the day, um, Verity Lambert is, is a fascinating figure in the history of British TV. She definitely did a lot to help um, create the groundwork for you know, the solid foundation on which this show was able to then just run and run in perpetuity. Um, However, I do think Doctor Who fans have a bit of a tendency to romanticise and mythologise something that was, for most of the people involved, just a job they did for a couple of years. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Was, I, I think if you asked Verity in that, Lambert... Uh, in that an adventure in space and time. She was pretty good yeah. in that. But, like, that was a work <laughs> of fiction, wasn't it? It certainly... It, 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 it was, uh, an adventure in space and time is certainly guilty of a certain degree of uh, romanticising history. And, uh, you know, uh, fudging certain details in order to take... Um, to give it a shape of a more satisfying story. Um, but I, and I do think that has contributed a little to... I, 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 now, having said that, she was already, you know, one of those figures who was widely... Um, I can't think of the words. I'm trying to, You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm I, saying. I think... I don't, I I don't think... want to seem like I'm bashing anyone. You know, I, I, at the end of the day... Verity Lambert is a very important figure in the history of Doctor Who, and we're, we're right to recognise that. But um, at the end of the day, it was just a job for her. And I think there were probably other things she did that she was equally proud of, if not more so. Would you say it was a mistake on her part not to come out and congratulate Shuri Gatwan on getting the part, the role of the Doctor? It's not a good look, let's no, be honest. No, come on, Verity, you're better than that. Yeah. Anyway, I, I like making that joke whenever we talk about someone who's died. <laughs> it's a good one. It just lightens the mood, doesn't it? We're it all does, sad she's yeah. gone, but we can we, we can have a bit of fun. We can. All right then. Uh, where do we have anything else to, to discuss? What what is your v- pick for V? Have we uh, uh, have we covered I, that? I've gone for Vizsla Turlo. You're you're sticking with that, right? Vizsla yeah. Turlo. I've only seen a couple of stories with him in, but he's good in all of them. He is indeed. All right, great. Tick. There we go. That's off the list. W next week. Ooh, that'll be a meaty one, I reckon. Yeah. I think we'll have plenty to be digging into. Right, Matt, you know what time it is? Uh, We had a week off last week. currently (laughs) 5.25. It is time for Have I Got Who's For You? Oh, exciting. booted up searchwise.net and uh, I'll be honest I had a little sneak peek before we hit record um, I, I I can already tell you exactly what we're going to click on right it's, well I trust you 
It's the top hit. It's a. It's an article from the Mirror, who has quite a good track record when it comes to leaks. Isn't that who Thingy's working for now? Uh, oh, um, Plymouth Live chap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elliot Ball. That was Elliot Ball. Yeah. Would it been a rude if we couldn't remember his name? So yeah, so article from the Mirror here, Matt. Doctor Who. Uh, reveal cute but deadly villains for returning David Tennant to battle. So, um, spoiler warning, if you're trying to dodge spoilers about um, 60th anniversary, RTD2 era kind of stuff. Um, But, uh, yeah, here we go. This is from uh, Nicola Methven, the the TV editor at The Mirror, so not Elliot Ball, sadly. You still there, Matt? I'm here. I'm here. I'm, yeah, I'm waiting on the edge right. of my seat. <laughs> so, here's a Doctor Who baddie who needs to be told to hop it. An evil creature that looks like a cuddly white rabbit. Beep the Meep is set to battle the Doctor when David Tennant returns to the role for the BBC Sci-Fi Show's 60th anniversary next year. A stunt driver... Dressed as David has been spotted filming a scene in Cardiff, driving a cab with a fluffy white creature inside. A source said, younger viewers will love Beep. He appears to be meek and cute, but he's as deadly as a Dalek or a Cyberman. And, uh, oh, we've got a little more here. Oh, God, the way these pages are laid out these days is horrible. You don't know when the article's ended. Beep is set to make his TV debut alongside newcomers, the Wrath Warriors. The Wraths look far more menacing with red eyes and an insect-like exoskeleton. Their job is tackling baddies. The Wraths and Beep appeared in comic strips in the Doctor Who Weekly magazine in the 1980s. They were first seen in a story involving Tom Baker's incarnation as the Doctor. Uh... And, uh, you know, on it goes. But, but yeah, basically, uh, Beep the Meep's coming back. Yeah, I'm just doing a bit is... of Googling. And yeah. It's just a big round cat, bat, rabbit monster. Yep. Uh, and... It seems to be brandishing a broken beer bottle as his weapon of choice. <laughs> so, yeah. So, for context, Beep the Meep was... Uh, an early antagonist of uh, Doctor Who comic strips in uh, what was then Doctor Who Weekly would later morph into uh, Doctor Who magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first, first drawn by Dave Gibbons of uh, Watchmen fame. Really? Interestingly. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it, uh, pretty much everyone who was anyone in, in British comics in, in the 80s and 90s probably did a stint on uh, Doctor Who comics at some stage or other in uh, in the 80s. Uh, but, uh, yeah, basically not one of those characters that, um, because it's just so outlandish, no one's forgotten about them, even though he's really not appeared in much. So a handful of comics and then... Uh, Big Finish have done a couple of things with them. The only one that I'm familiar with is The Ratings War, which is just a short freebie with Colin Baker that was given away, I think, initially uh, with an issue of Doctor Who magazine. And uh, they later did an adaptation of the first Beat the Meep story 
when they were doing some uh, doing some sets of comic strip adaptations. But I think they've discontinued because they weren't selling very well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, sure, whatever. Yeah, it, it looks very 1980s, 2000 AD style. Yeah, yeah. And it does that whole thing of being subversive in, you know... You think it's cute and cuddly, but then it turns out to be a vicious little bastard. Yeah. Um, which is a tried and true trope, isn't it? Um, I mean, RTD does have a bit of a record when it comes to doing those things that are sort of cute, but then vicious or, or, or unsettling. You know, I'm thinking of things like adipose and... Uh, I guess, I mean, you wouldn't call the Absorbaloff cute, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Sort of straddling that line between silly and and kind of dark and disturbing. Yeah. So I get why Beep the Beep appeals to him. And it will definitely, when it's, a, it seems like that's a bit of a leak, but when it is officially uh, confirmed and, you know, they're doing promo stuff around it, I mean, I I would be I don't think for a second, Beep the Meep is going to be the primary antagonist of the 60th anniversary. Oh, it'd be great. Imagine if he was though. Yeah, just really. Oh, imagine if they just made the 60th stupidly silly. Oh, you know what? I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. Some people would, and that's what matters. <laughs> Makes it all the better, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Um, speaking of which, shall we uh, talk about the Happiness Patrol? Yeah, it's been about time. When we talk on the subject of, um, you know, how silly is Doctor Who allowed to be? Yeah, yeah. Um, what what do you think of this episode, David? Oh, you're going straight to me first. Yeah. You don't want to hear, uh, uh, listen to our listeners first? Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. Hold on. <laughs> let, me, let me get the phone up. Um... I mean, I can just tell you, if you like, whilst you're looking it up. I haven't I haven't clicked with this one yet. I've watched it twice uh, in relatively short succession because, of course, uh, this year has been the year that I've been trying to... Um, you, you know, I, I finished watching The Seventh Doctor's Era for the first time. Um, and, yeah, the first time round, I was like, oh, I sort of see what they're doing, but I don't know that it quite comes together. And I was really hoping that this rewatch would kind of solidify things for me. But if anything, it I, I'm left feeling even more like it it's less than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't want to rain on anyone's parade because I know it has its fans out there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just not for me, this one. Right. Maybe you just don't get it. Maybe I don't get like it. Like last week when you accused me of just not getting Midnight, that really stuck in my craw. <laughs> Let me tell you. You're like, oh, I don't want to be condescending, but maybe, Matt, maybe you just didn't get it. All yeah, right. I, oh. It just could be that, you know, you're just not quite smart enough for it. Yeah. For, for something just on that level of, um, yeah. you know, Maybe it's just genius. like stupid 
bastard idiots like me just don't yeah. get it. Yeah. Right. Right. First message comes from Ariel. Say hello, David. Hi, Ariel. Uh, she says, V is for Verity. We wouldn't have a show without her. Get a life. Right. Next is the Married to Who podcast. Say hello, David. Hi, Married to Who. Uh, they say, V is for Verity Lambert. Duh. Get a life. <laughs> uh, let me just say, anyone else said V for Verity? No, I think we're all right from now on. Right, Married to Who say, could have been good, but the completely in-studio-ness of it makes it kind of lame. Mm. Um, would you like a message from James Courtney? Of course I would. I, I just panicked there, because I must not have signed out of my work email on my phone, and I got a message from, like, on my work account, and I was just like, uh, what? Uh, but no. It wasn't about Doctor Who, it was just about something at work. Right. Okay. Uh, James Courtney says, I know it's important for you to hear from the listeners, so I just wanted to say I haven't seen this one. Oh, wow. That surprises me. Yeah. I, I, I always took uh, James Courtney for someone who'd, uh, who was, you know, had, had kind of done everything, you know, yeah. missing episodes and all, but... Uh, Wow. Presents himself as such, doesn't he? Oh, charlatan. <laughs> uh, um, this was not an attempt at gatekeeping, you know. Yeah, maybe he's not Nicholas Courtney's son after all. <laughs> he does say V is for Vogans. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. Then we have a message from James Swifty Swift. Who says, like with a lot of the Seventh Doctor stories, it's incredibly strange but wonderful. It reminded me a lot of Smile from Series 10. Yes, I can definitely see the comparisons with Smile. Mm. Right. Um, then we have BT Flibbity Giggard. Say hello, David. Greetings, curator. Who says, fun fact, this was the first classic Doctor Who story I ever watched. The set design for this is a weird black box theatre in the best way. I love it. That scene where the Doctor talks down the man pointing a gun at his face gives me chills. The Candyman manages to be camp, yet terrifying. And V is for Venusian Aikido. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Do you remember when you tried Venusian Aikido on me? Uh, yeah, sure. Did I thought we could have sprung that out into a small story, but you... Yeah. Never mind. No, no, no time for silliness today. <laughs> no, we've got the happiness patrol to talk about. Okay. Final tweet this week comes from Sonia. Say hello. Uh, uh, greetings. Uh, did we? Was it Duchess we settled on? It, it was, yeah. Yes, greetings, Duchess. Who said, I haven't watched Happiness Patrol, but that thing next to the Doctor is extremely creepy. I put a picture of the Candyman up. Uh-huh. Uh, and V is for Fl- Madame Vastra. Oh, yes. Yeah, good character. There's a good one we missed. Uh, so that's all the tweets this week. Great. Um, so broadly, everyone seems to like it, except for me. Yeah. <laughs> or they haven't seen it. Uh, and that seems to very much be the case more generally. I think there was a time in Doctor Who fandom where it was one of those episodes that that um, fans tended to kind of pretend didn't exist because it was 
you know, perceived to be too silly and Doctor Who is a serious, important programme and it's it's not stupid and uh, people wanted to brush the silly bits under the carpet. Um, but, you know, beyond the surface level weirdness and silliness, it, it is quite a serious story. It's trying to make some pretty weighty points. I think the trouble is that it can't quite commit to... It, it sort of... I don't know, it dances around a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm struggling I'm struggling to formulate um, a sort of considered uh, conclusion on this one because I just, I want to, I, I want to see what everybody else sees in it. So, yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with it. What about you, Matt? What What did you make of this one? I'm... So, obviously, we have our ranking system. We do. Rarely used these days, but we yeah, do have so it. I'm going to bring it back for this one. Okay. So, four types of Doctor Who episode. We have good episode. We have bad episode. Uh-huh. Good with bad bits. Bad with good bits. Now, I'm, I'm going to introduce a new one here, David. Okay. Uh, which is, I completely understand why this show was cancelled, and I support that decision. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> sure. I mean, certainly, if you just, like, look at it, uh, look at, uh, at the uh, production side of it. There are there are kids' TV shows made on half the budget that looked better than this. Yeah. Um, like, like, what is this? What were they going for? Uh, like, the, I, I don't even really know what the plot is. Um, I, I don't like the set um it's it seems quite infatuated with the idea of uh just telling us how great jazz is um oh no sorry the blues not jazz the blues yeah yeah i'm just like i don't know i did normally if old classic who is silly i kind of buy into it a bit more but mm. this wasn't great but there is one redeeming feature. And what would that be? Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. I think he... last time I was overly critical just because I wasn't used to his portrayal. Yeah. Uh, but I quite liked him in this. I didn't like it when he winked at me. <laughs> um, but other than that, I also really didn't like his version of the theme tune. Um, it's very harsh, isn't it? Yeah his theme but yeah it was the correct decision to cancel (laughs) Doctor Who so on the subject of McCoy I will just say yeah you can't if nothing else every single one of his stories you you, if you pay attention to McCoy that bloke's putting the work in yeah every time without fail and I kind of feel much the same about uh, Jodie Whittaker hmm like, no matter what script she has been given, you watch her performance, she's giving everything she's got. 
to that script. She is fully committing to it. Yeah. It, it's, and, you know. Yeah. Exactly the same as I've said about Whitaker. Not the worst thing about their episodes. No. No. Um, I think in terms of uh, aesthetic and vibe, this episode is, you know, it's trying to go for something, I guess, akin to 1984. Mm. That kind of uh, harsh, dystopian, or, uh, you know, uh, authoritarian future. But unfortunately... They're they're working with such scant resources and a script that, frankly, I don't think is up to snuff. I think that's my biggest issue, is the script. It's um, Thematically, I think it's got some interesting themes and some interesting points to make, but I think the characterisation of the supporting characters is all extremely thin. Yeah, 100%. And... Uh, the plot is just a lot of running about. I don't even know if I could call this a plot. It, it yeah, it just pe- people are just being moved around from set yeah. to set, and having having weird interactions that don't quite go anywhere. Um, like, there's bits where the doctor's talking to someone. And then yeah. the next scene, he's just across the city talking to someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 jarring. So that's that's kind of why I end up feeling like it's sort of less than the sum of its parts. I get what it's going for. Um, I think it's a valiant effort, but with with such a jumbled script, you know, you'd have to be a miracle worker to 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 make it really come together yeah i think and yeah. uh, i don't blame those involved for failing to do so i do i blame graham curry and chris yeah. clough um <laughs> uh, so yeah i mean but ultimately i can't disagree when you say when you say imagine you know switching switching this on into what would be like 1988 i think this uh-huh. is um and i looking at this and then watching literally any other TV show being made at that time, you you can't help but but think, God, yeah, this 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 is naff. Right. Let me... I, I know we're going around the houses. Yeah. Let me Google 1988 in British TV. Let's just see yeah. what else was on. Okay. Right. So, instead of this... Uh, I oh, know that's the Academy Awards, 1988. Here we go. These are television shows um, that were on this year. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of it is like continuing television shows, so it's like the BBC's coverage of Wimbledon, still going <laughs> strong. Yeah, uh, sure. So we could have watched. Oh, could have watched Doctor Who. Yeah. Let me let me skip forward to the nineteen eighties. Right, nineteen eighty eight. What debuted in this year? Um, I'm sorry, this is taking forever. That's we could right. we could have watched Star Wars Droids, the animated Star Wars. <laughs> uh, 
we could have watched a cartoon I remember, but I don't remember anything about it, called Kissifer, about an animated bear. That was great. Right. We could have watched First of the Summer Wine. Oh, was that a thing? Yeah. Oh, I've uh, never heard of that. I, was it before know, Last of the Summer Wine? I imagine it must have been a prequel series of some kind. It was yeah. a prequel, yeah. Uh. Right. We could have watched The Flying Doctors. We could have watched Country File. That, uh, that debuted in 1988. <laughs> um, Matt, I hate to say it, I don't think this is making your point for you, is it? <laughs> David, we could have watched Stop It and Tidy Up. <laughs> okay, fair enough. We could have watched Charlie Chalk. Now, now here's one I would liken to Doctor Who. I think this uh-huh. is a fair comparison. We could have watched the BBC adaptation of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Yes, that is fair. Right. That is fair. Um, I mean, obviously, it did have a higher budget because it was a miniseries and, and what have you. But, I mean, I still have so much affection for that, that adaptation. For me, it we- is kind of the definitive one. We, we could have um, watched Red Dwarf. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm scanning through these. Okay. on Would this have been on on a Saturday night? Yep. Okay. On the other channel, on ITV, we could be watching You Bet and London's Burning. Ah, oh, loved a bit of You Bet. Yeah. Uh, we could have watched, if we were in America, Married with Children. Well, there you go. But, but yeah, you, you get the point. It's like... There is just, there is just something kind of shambolic and tacky about this era of Who in comparison to other TV being made at that time. Mm. It, it it really it does seem like a show uh, in need of in need of a bit of refocusing. Now, I do think one of the great tragedies is that the, the very next season, the season after this one. It, it does start to find that and I'm looking forward eventually to uh, maybe watching some of that season with you Matt and, and I think you'll see what I mean that it does it does represent a bit of a step forward in terms of how presentationally how it comes across yeah like compared to this. I, I thought when I was watching this and we are going to talk about it soon um, yeah. imagine if me and you were like BBC bigwigs sat and we had like we had to cut from the budget, and someone showed you this. Oh, you wouldn't think twice, would you? I'd have axed it there and then, and then fired <laughs> I mean, whoever that's it, that's it. That's essentially what happened. It was, um, it was a couple of BBC bigwigs sort of catching bits and bobs of it here and there, and just thinking, Americans are doing Star Wars, and we've got this. This isn't good enough. Yeah. Um... Fortunately, I don't know that. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's just do it. Let's let's rattle through the the utterly nonsensical plot yeah. of Happiness Patrol and call it a day. So I'm going to apologise if my notes make no sense because the episode makes no sense. Right. So yeah, this is the Happiness Patrol, which aired between the second and the sixteenth of November in 1988. As we've already said, written by Graham Curry, directed by Chris Clough. Yeah. So, it begins with a girl walking down the street. And I've had to cross out a man walking down the street because it was so dark I couldn't tell if it was male or female. Yeah. Uh, A man whispers to her 
And she replies saying, ooh, let them find me. Because there's a secret place for killjoys. Somewhere we can all go to be miserable. It's yeah. the Doctor Who subreddit. Um, <laughs> so, it turns out the man is Silas P. And he's actually working for the Happiness Patrol undercover. It's a planet where you're not allowed to be gloomy or sad. You've got to be happy the whole time. Good. I think it's a good opening scene. I think the guy playing Silas P is is one of the strongest guest performances of the of the story. Yeah, but even at this point, I thought, is this going to be making some prophetic statement about how it's okay to be sad and you know and maybe I've been spoiled by New Who where we do have episodes like Vincent and the Doctor. Yeah. But this just doesn't even feel clever enough to even attempt that. Mm. We could talk about how well it sticks the landing on that on that uh, theme at the end, but mm. uh, I think it it's I, I it, it sets its stall out nice and early. Like I say, I think it's a strong guest performance. I like the idea of it being a sort of undercover sting operation. Mm. You know, it's a it's a nice bit of dark humour. I think what what the trouble is that there isn't much more to follow up but it, like it doesn't do much to develop beyond that over the over the uh, rest of the episode so the TARDIS arrives and Ace is hoping to see a dinosaur uh, we're on Terra Alpha because the doctors heard a rumour things aren't going quite as they should uh, yeah this was another thing that I wanted to mention it's a thing that seems to particularly be a characterization of the Seventh Doctor. It, it's something that very much gets carried over into what I've experienced so far of the Virgin New Adventures of, like, the Doctor actively looking for trouble mm. and, like, following up on leads like some kind of investigator. And it's not a characterization that I particularly like. I prefer my Doctor to be just passing through and trouble yes. finding them rather than them going looking for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a small thing, but it's, it, is, it does sort of significantly shift your understanding of the character, I think. So Silas is promoted for his work. He wants the leader's job. The leader we find out is called Helen A., yeah. Uh, Doctor and Ace are approached by a man whilst women paint the TARDIS. Imagine if the TARDIS was just fluorescent bright pink for the rest. Like, they never change it back to blue. It just all of a sudden's blue again, isn't it? I think, no, you do get a shot of them, like, scraping the paint off before the end of the oh, episode. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I get the feeling that there were some people who genuinely feared that that was about to happen when Jodie Whittaker was cast. Yeah, that'd be great. So, uh, the Doctor plans to get arrested. He says that's always the best way to find out exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, women accuse them of being killjoys. Um, the women are all, again, dressed in, like, electric pink and, you know, they've got bright makeup and very, very 1980s, isn't it? Yeah, it's very much sort of taking cues from, like, Vivian Westwood and, and, and that whole uh, thing. Yeah. Because they're accused of being killjoys. Yeah. 
Now, the Doctor has no ID badge, which should have been given to him as he transferred onto the planet. So he's yeah. accused of being a spy. So This is uh, pre-psychic paper. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that, that, was a, that was an R- Yeah, it was an RTD invention. Oh. And it, it's, it's a great concept as well, because it basically... It, 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 when you're trying to do stories in 45 minutes, you need it as yeah. a cheat code. You know, you can't have what they had in Classic Who of, of people being, you know, the, the Doctor and, and their companions spending the first episode and a half, uh, in, in, you know, being captured by whoever it is who's discovered them this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, they're accused of being a spy whilst Helena broadcasts to everybody saying happiness will prevail. Yeah. Did, did you uh, clock who was playing Helen A? Uh, I did check and I did recognise it, but I can't remember. It's uh, Sheila Hancock. Is, is that someone we know? Uh, she's just one of those, like, uh, you know, figures from the world of uh, light entertainment and acting and stuff. She was very much a known quantity in the 80s. So, you know, she would have been the notable guest star right. for this story. Um, I mostly know her from appearances on Just a Minute. Right, okay, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that gives you a sense of the kind of kind of celebrity she is, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, in interviews, she, she was kind of open about saying, like, like her, her, her sort of, like, take on it was essentially it was a sort of Margaret Thatcher kind of figure. Um, because she's quite open in her disdain for Margaret Thatcher. I'll be honest... I don't get tons of Margaret Thatcher from Helen A as a character. No. Beyond them being female leaders doing unpleasant shit. But the kind of unpleasant shit that that Thatcher did was very different to the kind of unpleasant shit that uh, Helen A is getting up to. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, where am I up to? Right. Uh, Doctor yeah. and Ace speak to a killjoy man who wins a joke from Helen A. Yeah. Uh, the joke is basically everyone's going to get killed. Uh, yeah. So the Doctor's not free to leave. And the man, this is where we get the first mention of the candy man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's where we realise that the, he, the Doctor is in a prison. But the trouble is, the set design makes it look like exactly like everywhere else. Yeah. They basically look like they might be still be on the street. There's just like a random fruit machine on a street corner. Yeah, and they um, even say, "Isn't it? This isn't a uh, isn't a prison. It's the waiting zone." Yeah, and, and the waiting zone moves around the city. So just wherever they are, they can just conveniently go. Oh, you're in the waiting zone now, boy. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It doesn't work, does it? No. Um, so, the Candyman yes. makes sweets. Okay, let us talk about the design of the Candyman. Uh, do, do you want to lead us off, Matt? What does it remind you of? Bertie Bassett. Yeah. To it's a an pretty... almost litigious level. Well, the BBC did get a formal complaint from Bassett's, uh, understandably, and they uh, they they let it go on the promise that uh, the Candyman would not be used as a character in future. Oh wow! Um, 
which I think was a pretty easy promise for the BBC to make. Yeah. <laughs> Overall. Well, I'm, giving, it, giving this terrible character that looks absolutely rubbish and <laughs> ruins the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll write him out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there you go. But, yeah, uh, so you're, you're not a fan of the candy band then? Um, like, the design... Yeah. If done properly, it could have looked really good, but it's quite clearly very cheap. Yeah, it's just a bloke in a, in a costume. Like you can see the sort of the various different suites, like sort of folding and uh, you know, because they're made of like cheap rubber material or whatever. Yeah, and then more than anything, just the voice map. Oh, just... the voice is so grating. Yeah, yeah. it's. Yeah, just so ear-piercingly shrill. Yeah. Ultimately, for me, Candyman is a big swing and a miss. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so, Helen A says, what's for dinner? Uh, people are disappearing all over Terra Alpha. Um, a man is accused of public grief, and I thought he was immediately killed, but he's not. He's sent to the Candyman. Mm -hmm. uh, Candyman is made of sweets we've talked about that design and the Doctor and Ace plan to escape except Helen A wants to kill that man who was their friend mm -hmm. and this was possibly my favourite bit of the whole three episodes Yeah, is when Ace just goes I want to nail those scumbags <laughs> and the Doctor's <laughs> like no 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 calm down Ace and she's like no I'm going to nail those scumbags. And it's like, come on, Ace, we'll just uh, work it out. And she's like, no, let's go nail those... Oh, just as a catchphrase, it doesn't work. Not really. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't follow through on that one. But yeah, just the way she says, I'm going to nail those scumbags. Uh, I don't know. Now, we've talked about the design of the Candyman... What did yes. you think of the design of Fifi, Helen A's pet wolf monster? Oh, bless them for trying. Yeah. Um, Why isn't that the main villain? It looks loads better than the Candyman. Yeah, it's a, it's a look as a static model. It's good. Uh, the animatronics are, I think, too rudimentary, and ultimately just pull you out of it. Like you know, it's it's not it's not Jim Henson quality, is it? No. No. Um, but that's a shame. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the design of Fifi. Right. Uh, the Doctor and Ace plan to escape in a booby-trapped go-kart. Uh -huh. uh, the Doctor takes... Uh, I don't know, it felt like forever to defuse the bomb. Uh -huh. And then... the hell was this? A subterranean creature peers out of the sewer. Yes, this is the point at which this this story just starts to, like, add in more elements than it needs. Yeah. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, the time machine, and they go, oh, it's like the Morlocks, they live underground. Just go, uh -huh. nah, there's some rat people that were here when we got here, so we just pushed them into that hole. <laughs> yeah. Absolute garbage. Yeah. Uh, they're not great either, are they? They look rubbish, they sound rubbish, and they behave rubbish, so... <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, Ace is offered the chance to join the Happiness Patrol. Mm -hmm. And then... 
This is the first time I picked up on it, and this really bloody annoyed me. Some guy just keeps playing the harmonica. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Earl's, isn't it? Earl something. Yeah. 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 Uh, Silas P appears again and arrests the Doctor, but is saved by the harmonica man. And they're trapped by the Candyman, who threatens to kill them both. What what an intense cliffhanger for episode one. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I've got no, yeah, I've got nothing. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to struggle to find other things to say about this until what, we get to the end. I feel was it like. was it a mistake to review this? Should we have done another episode? Possibly, but like everybody else likes this so much that I really wanted to give it a fair crack, and I thought you might. You might be amused by the Candyman, but it seems you were just more annoyed. Right. I'm making an executive decision here, David. I'm yeah. putting my foot down. Yeah. When when we've done all of Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah. When we've done all of Torchwood and we've done yeah. whatever might come between now and then. Mm-hmm. If we're going through and watching all of Classic Who. Yeah. I'm not watching this again. Oh, no. I would never any, expect any, you. Anything we've watched, we're allowed to skip. I'm not doing yeah. Tomb of the Cybermen again. I'm not doing the Five Doctors, and I'm not doing this. I would never, I would never have expected you to. Yeah, good. Right, we've still got two episodes to go. <coughs> oh, jeez, come on, let's rattle through this then. Right, the subterranean creature watches Ace being led by the Happiness Patrol. The Candyman makes the Doctor and the Harmonica Man do a taste tests. Uh, but he also, at this point, we're introduced to Gilbert. Yeah. The Candyman's the... assistant, who the Candyman absolutely hates, and we're led yeah. to believe is some sort of weird Igor character that helps the Candyman. I mean, mm. we find out that's not the case. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, I-, I will say, uh, as well, like, um, it was, something that's weird about this story is there are way too many characters in it, and yet for a sort of human colony... Uh, colony with, like, this totalitarian regime, it feels like they've got a population of about 12 people. Yeah, and they've all got confusing names. Yeah. Even though they've all got simple names, that makes it confusing. There, there are definitely there are elements of this that, that it's, like, actively working against the script mm. rather than uh, enhancing it. Anyway. Right. Let's crack uh, on. So we find out the Candyman can make candy so good, your brain can't comprehend it, and you just die. Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think I've... Maybe the first time I discovered pesto. That's probably the closest I've come. (laughs) Yeah. I vividly remember the first time I tried pesto. Um, Yeah, so you just die because his sweets are so good. That never comes back in the story. Nope. Um, the Happiness Patrol explain the waiting zone. We've already done that. And mm-hmm. the Candyman explains fondant surprise. Yeah. It's just where loads and loads of, like, sweet just kills you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Doctor uses H2O and citric acid. Mm. It's just lemonade, isn't it? It is lemonade. But yeah. it takes him about 20 minutes to say H2O and citric acid because he rolls all his ass. <laughs> uh, so he sprays the Candyman's feet, which 
then causes him to get all sticky and sticks to the floor. Mm-hmm. Which makes you wonder, there's no one ever mopping there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he sticks to the floor and the Doctor and Earl's escape. Yeah. Uh, the Candyman threatens Gilbert, but we find out they're kind of in a symbiotic relationship. Gilbert says, I need you and you need me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Doctor meets the subterranean people. I think, are they called the Pipe People? I think so, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, might as well come clean, David. I've still got your Britbox login, so I watch this on Britbox. And the, <laughs> the episode like description calls them the Pipe People. Sure. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they're just weird rat men. They are, yep. Yep. Who kind of talk weird and like, are we meant to be like feeling sorry for them? I think that's the idea. But to be honest, I just, every time they're not on screen, I forget about them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he comes above grounds. They meet the customs guy again and harmonica man leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen A threatens to set her wolf Fifi on the Doctor, but as soon as she says that, he's just there anyway. This is what I mean. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'll get you, Doctor. And he just enters and the room. And he's there. Yeah. Uh, so they chuck the wolf down the sewers anyway to get Ace. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor overhears Helen ordering an execution. Yeah. Uh, Ace and the Rat Men are followed by the wolf. Um, I thought that would be a bit more tense than it actually is it's not great no. and the candy man begins to coagulate yeah uh, I mean, this is the bit we've, we all, we've all been there we've, we've all had a touch of coagulation it's not pleasant yeah yeah i mean uh, it is fun when your wellies get stuck in the mud that's the only thing i could <laughs> think that would be like yeah. <laughs> yeah so we've gone from a funny little bertie bassett man who makes sweets so nice it would kill you to just outright snipers on the rooftop. Yeah. Okay. They're poised to kill the Killjoys, but the Doctor interrupts and just says, why don't you kill me instead? Mm. And the man can't, but he doesn't know why. Yeah. Good performance from McCoy in that scene. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, the Doctor's back with the Candyman. He's like instant translocation. He's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Again, it just adds to the sense that rather than this being you know, like, an oppressed world. It's basically about four rooms. Yeah. <laughs> with with 12 people milling about. Just It's like, uh, it's more like the, the, the Stanford prison experiment or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you've just got, you've got a, a handful of people, half of whom are guards and half of whom are, are prisoners. They've just got to sort it out between themselves. <sighs> Great knowledge of Philip Zimbardo there. I teach that as part of A-level psychology. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how that prison study ended, just to go off on a tangent? Oh, it, it was really bad, wasn't it? Like Yeah, but it, it reached Friday evening. Yeah. And Zimbardo was clocking off for the week. Yeah. Because uh, he had a hot date. He was like, oh, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick this girl up. Basically said to the guards, oh, you're in charge. I'll see you Monday morning. Right? Yeah. But what happened was the woman he was seeing came to surprise him 10 minutes early with some chocolates and flowers and stuff. Uh-huh. And she just walked into his office and there was like people laid on the floor like screaming. <laughs> and, and she was like, no, nah, I think I'm going to cancel. 
so there and then he cancelled the rest of the study and they've been mm-hmm. married pretty much ever since. Ah. That's a nice well, ending, isn't it? Nice that there's a happy ending. Isn't it like just widely discredited as a as a like a pretty rubbish attempt yeah. at a study? There's a British version like, called the BBC Prison Study, which was basically the first ever reality TV show. I rem- I watched it. I just yeah. I, I have a very distinct memory of it, which is specifically one of the guards talking about how much he liked kettle crisps. Yes, that is a guard called Brendan Grennan. I've watched that because I have to watch it every year. I've seen yeah. that about ten times. I know it as well as I know Jurassic Park. Why is that the only bit of that that I can remember after all these years? I don't know. I don't know. Because it's not an interesting bit. No. I just remember, just the way he was just like, I think it was, I remember thinking like, they really hyped up that series when it came out. And my my abiding memory of it is just like, oh, this is kind of boring, isn't it? And I think it's almost perfectly encapsulated by that bloke just sort of like, because he's talking to one of the prisoners, I think. They're just standing around having a chat like they're down the pub. Yeah. Um, You've weirdly tapped into the one bit of my job I really enjoy teaching. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to derail us when we've got... uh, a disappointing uh, classic Who story to, to get through. Right. Um, where are we up to? Yeah. So the Doctor says he'll unstick the Candyman if he spares the girl from the Happiness Patrol's life. Um, and the Candyman goes, yeah, 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 don't worry about it, pal. So he does. And then it's like, immediate betrayal. The Candyman's always been horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Doctor just sticks him to the floor again. <laughs> Yeah, it was clever the first time. Bit boring the second time. Um, then the Doctor, after this like high tension scene, is just playing spoons with the harmonica man again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ace has been taken to her Happiness Patrol audition that we know is just another term for execution. Um, yeah. The Doctor sees a poster that Ace is performing, so he's going to attend her execution. Hmm. So that's the end of episode two. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's a good, decent attempt at a cliffhanger, I guess. But we we know Ace isn't going to get executed on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, episode three begins with Harmonica Man leading a Killjoy march. Mm-hmm. Which means Helen A plans to kill them all. Yeah. Uh, Helen A takes care of a wolf for a little bit. You know, that wolf that was down the sewers about 20 seconds ago. Mm-hmm. Back now. Uh, yeah. And the Doctor attends Ace's performance where he meets Trevor Sigma, the census man again. Mm-hmm. He's just there all the time. Uh, there's a big list of everyone. Well, like I say, there's, a, there's only four rooms. You're going to keep bumping into people. Yeah, yeah. But he's always surprised as well. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, harmonica man. Oh, sorry. Before that, the doctor sings as time goes by. Oh, yes. Quite badly. McCoy is not a good singer. No. no. I think it's fair to say. Who do you? Who would you say? Who, would, if you had to put money on it, who would you say is uh, uh, the best singer out of all the doctors? 
Out of all the doctors, right. Definitely not Hartnell, because he's got no joy in his soul. <laughs> Definitely not Troughton, because he just played the whistle instead. John Pertwee's got a speech impediment. Uh, yeah, Tom... and, and like he actually did release a single, but it's like him doing sort of Shatner-style, um, like spoken word over music. Um, I bet, I bet Tom Baker does a sweet baritone. Uh, yeah. D- Davison probably all right. I could say that. Yeah, I think Davison's even done a bit of musical theatre in his time. So, uh... um, Colin Baker probably gets my vote. We've seen McCoy's not great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Colin Baker of the classic Doctors is the best singer. I I I would agree. I think there's there's a very good chance that he's probably got a lovely. In fact, well, we've heard. I I sent you the clip, didn't I? Of um, uh, I am the very model of a Gallifrey and Buccaneer. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, not not going to change your answer now. No, no. Sorry, I'm just texting the after show group to say which classic doctor is the best singer and why is it Colin Baker? Mm. See what they come back with. Yeah. And why is it Colin Baker? Um, I, I, I bet once I've set that someone's going to send me that clip that you already have, the Gallifrey and Buccaneer thing. Yeah. Right, let's get through this. Okay. Um, so, the Doctor's song as time goes by, Harmonica Man appears, Helen A sets her wolf into the sewers. Again. Ace arrives at the execution, and the Doctor works out if you at least pretend to be happy, you can't be killed. Yeah, we only kill the killers. Uh, so the Happiness Patrol bloody love it, and they're all laughing, except some. Okay, so there's like a little partisan group that are just going mad, laughing their head off. Uh, Ace starts laughing and begins to join the Doctor in escape. Uh, Helen A broadcasts to the Happiness Patrol. Uh, Fifi the Wolf approaches the Doctor and the Rat Man. Um, harmonica man I, I'm not going to talk about harmonica man just assume he's there playing the harmonica for the remainder of this episode <laughs> he bloody much. gets about doesn't he? he does he does yeah they work out if he plays a certain note it will cause a sugar avalanche does does he do that? he does do that yeah yeah I thought he did I thought he uh, did. Uh, uh, you know that's, that's what uh, kills Fifi yeah, but it's massively foreshadowed and then doesn't happen for ages. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Helen A calls the Candyman. Uh, the Doctor approaches as the Candyman is up to something. Uh, so Ace heats up a poker. Basically, they just stab him to death. Then boot him into an oven. <laughs> yeah. You know, red good. hot poker. They're like, we're going to run you through. We're going to melt you from the inside out and then put you in the oven. Yeah, that's pretty bad. So he gets melted, and all we see are his charred remnants. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out that Gilbert, who we've perceived as a bit of a dum-dum character, actually made the Candyman. Yeah. And we get a really drawn-out explanation, don't we? Where he's like... Yeah. It's like... Uh, it's baffling, because it's like... It is too late 
to be getting the Candyman's backstory. Yeah. We are halfway we through the last... sorry for the Candyman. Yeah, we are halfway through the last part of this story. It doesn't matter now. He's dead. Why are you giving us his backstory now? Um, and yeah, it, it basically just seems that, that he's just casually a supervillain and has been this whole time. You know, there's all this talk about him, like, unleashing a virus, which, like, killed a bunch of people or something. It, it's a very strange scene, that. Right. Is there a target novelization of The Happiness Patrol? Oh, I would have thought so. Let me just... Oh, there is, yeah. yeah. Let me see how much it is on Amazon. Because I might buy it, just so I can work out the Candyman's... Uh, why? £8.70? I don't think so. Um, is it cheaper it. on eBay? Sorry, I'm going off on a lot of tangents today. It's all right. Anything to avoid talking about this one. Happiness Patrol Target. I'm going to set a price, a maximum price of £2.50. If I can get it for less than that, I'll buy it. £6.99, £4.50. <sighs> Sounds like it might not be in print anymore. Yeah, £4.50 yeah. with £2 postage. Maybe on payday. I'm going to yeah. add that to my watch list. Um, yeah, and then I'll give you a full... I won't even do a bonus episode on the life and times of... I'd Canada. love to know if it's an improvement. Yeah, well, if Twin Dilemma's anything to go by, it certainly won't be. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, the Candyman gets melted. Gilbert made him. And Gilbert leaves on a shuttle with Helen A's husband. Which begs yeah. the question, why haven't people been doing this all along? Yeah, if they can just leave. Yeah. Then it's just like, leave. Oh, we'll, we'll stay here and fight. It's an open door policy. You can go at any time. You've got the right to withdraw. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Right, so she leaves with Helen A's husband as well. He's sick of her. He's had enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Doctor overcomes the last of the Happiness Patrol whilst Helena escapes. And then finally the Doctor accosts her and she finds a half-dead Fifi. She's really, really upset. The Doctor and Ace just clear off in the TARDIS. Yeah. So Instead of resolving last... it, they just kind of go, look, this has been really bad. You need to think about this. We're leaving. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so... That last scene, where the Doctor kind of spells out the moral of the story, you know, happiness means nothing if it doesn't, you know, coexist with sadness. You you know, you, you need to have both sides of the coin. Um, yeah, valid point. Um, can, I, can I just say, we've already had a submission from Mark from All of Time and Space saying all right. Colin Baker is the best singer... Andy's linked me that song, the Gallifrey and Buccaneer yeah. song. Yeah. So. Ah, uh, yeah. Who fans. So that settles it undisputedly. Colin Baker is the best singer out of the classic Doctors. Tune in next week where we'll talk about who's the best singer out of the new Who Doctors. Yeah. <laughs> in our new segment, I don't know, Top of the Docks, we'll call it. <laughs> um. So, yes, um, I, I do think that it's on the nose, but um, both McCoy and uh, Sheila Hancock play it well. And I do think 
that you know the, the you know that that moment of she sees her beloved pet lying there dead and the penny drops mm. and she experiences and, and it's almost like it's all of the emotions because ultimately I think what what this this story doesn't do a good enough job is showing getting under the skin of Helen A's character and thinking about well why does she want this this society of permanent happiness and I think that yeah, what she's the, so the, mad about I think the thing is you know a character like that my understanding of it would be probably that she has a lot of internal sadness that she is not dealing with properly and you know the the concept of things like you know toxic positivity i think is as as valid as ever if not more so this you know we see a lot of it in in uh you know online culture and stuff this this idea that you know if you just kind of if you project joy all the time then you will always be happy and like world you know karma and all of that sort of stuff um there's a lot to dig into with that i don't think this story really manages that and also it gets a lot of credit for as I say, the political angle and being a criticism of the Thatcher government and stuff like that, I don't think it works on that level either because it doesn't doesn't tackle the, the messed up economic root of what made that government as evil as it was. So it, it fails on that level as well for me. Um, I... I, I but I I think that basic moral point it it's not a it's not a particularly profound one. But that idea that to understand and appreciate happiness, you have to also know what it means to be sad, and that we shouldn't bottle up our emotions. We should just experience all of our emotions fully. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. Um. Not sure I'd go as far as to as to say good point well made though. Yeah. Uh, good point that has been made by the end of this story. I mean, um, like, I, I, I'm glad we've done it. It yeah. was a bit of a curiosity to me. Yeah, you were I, you were aware of the Candyman, right? You you can't. Oh, oh yeah, you almost can't not I'm be. I'm certain. Back in the day when I first started listening to the Cloister Bell, I've. I think it was their review where I first became aware. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I Like I say, if you think back to when we did do the Twin Dilemma, everything that was camp and silly and rubbish about that, I really liked. And I don't know what it is, but this just didn't work. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like it... I think that... The silly elements are very, all very surface, and what's underneath is just kind of grim and and sloppily thrown together, which makes it not not a particularly fun watch. No. At least not for me. Just um, no, not. So fun. yeah, I 
I, I apologise to all of our listeners who are fans of the Happiness Patrol. I, I know you're out there. I imagine this, if you're still listening at this point, after listening to two people just kind of bag on this episode for, for 45 minutes, well done. Um, and I do apologise. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Like, imagine if this is your favourite episode. Yeah. Get a life. <laughs> it will be somebody's. There's one thing we know about Doctor Who fans. There are champions for everything. Yeah, every well, episode. Sometimes you just got to put your hands up and admit you're wrong. Right. Yeah. Next week, Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, Sarah Jane Adventures. We are starting it. Uh, I'm stalling for time because I, I haven't looked up the name of the first story. Now, uh, uh, something you, are planning, Matt, you are planning, Matt, I think, to, to pop in... Uh, on, on our podcast feed a um, a bonus episode which will just be our original coverage of the 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 pilot episode yeah I was going to re-watch I, that this week forgot it was an hour long no chance yeah yeah, I'm um, not going to bother I think I, I, I'll I remember enough of it I, I might re-listen to our coverage of it yeah I'll probably do that so the plan is, at some point, there'll be a bonus episode. Probably, if this drops on Saturday, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, of that. Yeah. And then I was going to sit down with some of the after-show crew, uh, watch that first episode again, and just review it, and just their thoughts on the series as a whole. Ah, oh, excellent. Uh, um, so that is in the pipeline. Uh, we haven't forgot about all the listener suggestions episodes. They're coming along at some point, aren't they? They are. We've we've been struggling. We've been struggling time wise, but uh, I'm very determined that that before the year is out, they will all be uh, ticked off the list as I, well. We we got an email this week from Ariel where she was like, "Oh, I suggested an episode of Sarah Jane Adventures, but you're just going to watch that now. Can I suggest something else?" Yes, absolutely. We don't plan yeah. any of this. <laughs> like, we have a spreadsheet. Neither of us look at it. Like, you're always toying with it, David. I don't know what you're doing, right? But it's just there. <laughs> it's the one thing we never delete from our Google Drive is this ominous spreadsheet that's been there for years. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Just suggest whatever and we'll do it. <laughs> right. Anyway, that being said, next week then, Matt, on, on, on uh, the podcast proper, the next time we speak, it will be to discuss... Series one, episodes one and two of uh, Sarah Jane Adventures, because they're 25 minute episodes, but it's always a two part story. That seems to be the structure. Um, and it is entitled. Are you ready for this, Matt? Revenge I know where we're going. I know where we're going. Of the Slitheen. Oh, it's, it's like it's harking back to the good old days, isn't it? Certainly seems that way. I say the good so, old days. I absolutely hated it at the time, didn't I? <laughs> and I still it'll do be now. Very, it will be very interesting to kind of dip back into the world of RTD Who. Mm. You know, knowing what we know. Yeah. I'm going to be very fascinated to do that. Um, so please do join us for that, listeners. Uh, but until then, as always, thank you ever so much uh, for listening. And until next time, cheerio. Bye now.
Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.